This is Greenfish Blue Oceans, the podcast where stories about seafood are good for you and the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. Today, I'm tackling tea is for tuna and teds. guys, what's up? And welcome to the Tea is for Tuna part of the program. Last year, I bought a t-shirt from Mission Blue, the Sylvia Earle Alliance. The t-shirt's a brilliant shade of pink, almost fuchsia. I call it 80s pink. And if you've lived through the 80s, then you know what I'm talking about. Splash across the front of the bright pink tea is the slogan, only 10% of big fish remain. I admit, It feels like a doom and gloom message. And I try hard not to make people feel guilty about what seafood they eat. But sometimes you just got to be straight up. So to clarify, Mission Blue's mission is not about selling t-shirts, but like any good marketing campaign, the tees are sold to communicate a story. And if you aren't familiar, then you should know a little about Mission Blue. The short version is Mission Blue works to protect our beautiful blue ocean by fighting overfishing. The Mission Blue campaign is made up of a team of philanthropists, scientists, oceanographers, and specifically the legendary oceanographer, biologist, scuba diver, Sylvia Earle. Her efforts to save the oceans one hope spot at a time are just brilliant. And on a sidebar, FYI, if you asked me who is the one person I'd like on this podcast, I'd say Sylvia Earle. Yeah, there's that. So I'm just putting it out there. If anybody knows Sylvia, she might like to be on this show. I would love to talk. So after you listen to today's podcast episode, Don't forget to subscribe to Greenfish Blue Oceans. Seafood 2 is almost here, and I'll be dishing H is for Hope Spots in the Alphabet series. So I'm so excited to have a co-host next season. I'm still going to do the A through Z series, and um, Heather and I are going to take a little bit deeper dive on some of these issues and topics that we've talked about through season one. So thanks for listening. Um, You can also head over to the Mission Blue website, I put a link in the show notes of course, to learn more about what's being done to stop overfishing and help protect our big fish, which tuna is one of them. Because tuna is a complex and complicated species, there isn't enough time on this episode or even this entire podcast to take a deep dive on the history and challenges of this magnificent creature. I will say, though, tuna are in deep trouble. So hit up any sushi bar where tuna is undoubtedly the featured item on the menu. And with an estimated 45,000 sushi bars in Japan alone, 16,000 outside of Japan, and close to 4,000 here in the United States, you can see that while tuna plays an important role in the food industry and fisheries, this might be a problem for the future of tuna. So just to reinforce, here's a couple more stats for you, for you people that like numbers. 
I guess I'm one of them because I tend to do some numbers. Two thirds of tuna is caught in the Pacific Ocean. And when tuna is caught in international waters where there are no regulations, there are all sorts of challenges and problems. Over 4 million tons of tuna are caught every year. That's a staggering number. I can't even wrap my head around it. Most of the tuna stocks are fully exploited, meaning there's no room for fishery expansion. And some tuna fisheries are already overexploited, which means there's a risk of stock collapse. These numbers and statistics are not sustainable which is why there's a serious effort to solve that problem. So let me just tackle some of those solutions. One company that's making a great effort to trace tuna is called Tuna Solutions Fish. It's a startup company that tracks tuna from fishermen to market. And how will Tuna Solutions do that? By making tuna auctions online. So what difference would that make? This would provide transparency, visibility, and accessibility to tuna markets and consumers around the globe. Let me dig in a little bit. There are three main players in the process that get the tuna from the ocean to your plate. There are buyers, traders, and suppliers. By putting the tuna species, price, location, and method of catch of the fish plus a few other industry standard specifications online at an auction site, buyers, traders, and suppliers can bid or sell tuna. This is a great example of where technology and innovation are pairing up to help create sustainable fisheries futures. Another solution is knowing which tuna are good for the environment. They're not all tuna is unsustainable. So how do we know which fish are good? Fortunately, there are certification processes. Marine Stewardship Council is one organization that offers a third-party certification to fisheries to help buyers determine if their tuna was harvested and caught with good fishing practices. Having a certification from MSC also means that fisheries are developing fish stock rebuilding plans and reporting on bycatch. And if you need more information on bycatch, you can listen to my B is for bycatch and Barramundi episode from way back in season one, January 2017. So how do you know if the fish you're buying was MSC certified? When you're shopping at the market, look for the oval blue label with a white check mark labeled MSC or head to their website and do a quick search on the site. They can let you know exactly which species to buy. Tuna is not well managed around the globe despite efforts and organizations though. So another solution for rebuilding tuna stocks and finding a sustainable tuna is aquaculture. And tuna farming is an important opportunity too. Next year in season two of Greenfish Blue Oceans, I'm going to tackle aquaculture. A is for aquaculture will be the first episode. I'm going to take a deep dive with my co-host Heather, who's a marine biologist, and we are going to study the tuna aquaculture industry. 
in addition to many other aquaculture species. But for now, I can say that farming tuna is not an easy solution. For a couple of reasons, tuna are fast swimmers and love to swim long distance. For instance, some tuna born in the Gulf of Mexico swim across the Atlantic to feed off the coast of Europe, then migrate back to the Gulf to spawn. So how do we farm a fish like that? Maybe we only farm the larvae and then release them into the wild. But then we still have the challenges of managing the fisheries for overfishing and bycatch issues. So how do we track each individual fish that we release into the wild? This is where technology comes back into play. And there are two labs trying. The first initiative happened in a lab in Japan. And another is happening here in the United States at the University of Maryland's Baltimore County's Marine Institute of Marine and Environmental Technology. Now that is a mouthful, and I will not be repeating that. <laughs> the operation is fraught with challenges, though. Lights, maintaining water currents so the larvae don't fall to the bottom and die. Tuna are big-headed fish when they're small. There's algae and feed issues, and the biggest challenge there is for any aquaculture to be successful. They need the right feed. And tuna are voracious eaters, and they eat fish. So we already know that fish feed made from wild fish stocks is not a sustainable method. And while there are many successful feed solutions happening right now, tuna farming is still in its infancy. So that's something that we will be looking at in the future um, on here on Greenfish Blue Oceans. Finally, the last solution I want to talk about is going to be a shocker to many people. Here it is, three words. Don't eat tuna. I know that sounds crazy, especially if you're a sushi lover. I'm the first one to want to order a spicy tuna roll when I eat in a restaurant. Now, I only do that when I know the restaurant supports sustainable seafood. But these days, that's a rare occasion because I live in Kentucky. And any tuna that I see on a restaurant menu, I know, I just know it's not sustainable. Of all the restaurants and tuna species, how do you know who's selling what? So the best way to do that is to get to know the chef, ask questions, check your sustainable seafood guides to find out which tuna is good to eat and which isn't. So when you're in the restaurant and the chef does come to the table and you ask, hey chef, where did you get that fish and how was it caught, that you're an informed consumer and you can have a legit conversation. Now there are nine different types of tuna to choose from, so do your homework, okay? Yellowfin tuna out of the Gulf is a good tuna species. Bluefin tuna is not a good tuna species to eat. So those are two right off the top. Now, you wouldn't eat chicken or beef if it was raised inhumanely, would you? And you wouldn't eat shrimp if it was raised with antibiotics or pig feces, would you? So why would you eat tuna that was threatened with extinction? Okay. So thanks for listening to the Tea is for Tuna part of the program. 
Like I said, I'll be taking a deeper dive in the world of tuna aquaculture and the future of tuna in season two, which starts late January 2018. So stick around for the second half of the program. T is for Ted's. Hey guys, welcome back to the T is for TED's part of the program. So what the heck is a TED and what am I talking about? TED is an acronym that stands for Turtle Excluder Device. It's the equipment used on fishing vessels, specifically shrimp boats, to release turtles that get caught in the fishing nets. Now all you have to do is go to YouTube and Google turtle cut in shrimp nets, and you will be horrified. Okay, so just know that this is a huge problem. But that doesn't mean it's a long-term problem, because there's a lot of ingenuity, innovation, and tech coming forward, and people care. People in the United States specifically care, and one specific person that I know um, is Lance Nasio. And Lance, I am so sorry if I just like butchered your last name. (laughs) Lance is a fourth generation shrimper in Louisiana. His shrimping vessel is Anna Marie Shrimp. In Louisiana, we get that beautiful, white, sweet, tender shrimp. And Lance processes shrimp right on the boat. But he learned years ago when he was shrimping, those nets are huge. And there's a lot that gets caught up in those shrimp nets, not just the shrimp. Okay, so he devised a TED that is super clever, used PVC piping, and um, he's kind of like the gold star of uh, shrimpers in Louisiana. I I love Lance. He's he's an awesome dude. And those guys do great work. So um, so what else do you need to know about a TED? Well, one of the things that's really important is on international waters where there's no regulation and there's piracy going on and they're still out there with their nets, turtles are getting caught in nets. Not just turtles, but all kinds of species. Bycatch, there are a lot of problems. And the challenge is, if there's no regulation, then what's the chance of you eating fish like tuna, for instance, where you don't know where it comes from if it's caught on the high seas in international water and everything else is caught up in the nets, that's not a sustainable method. That's not the way, that's not the seafood you want to be eating. So just to reinforce, please take some time to know your fishermen and know where your seafood comes from. I think that's a really important thing. Um, I put some links in the show notes for you to uh, go to to look up a little bit more information about TEDs if you'd like. And uh, I'll give a plug to my good friend, Lance. Um, He has some amazing shrimp. If you're interested, um, there's a link in the show notes that you can feel really good about buying domestic U.S. wild American shrimp um, from Lance. And uh, you can let them know I sent you. I don't get anything for that other than my own personal feel good that I know that's where I buy my shrimp. And um, I love to support the shrimp economy in the United States and the shrimpers. 
and the shrimping industry. So lastly, don't give your cold hard cash to restaurants or wholesalers that sell and serve tuna and shrimp and other seafood that's not sustainable. And you'll feel good too. I promise you, you will. It's the little things that make a big difference. And if you want to share this podcast with your family and friends to help create awareness, that would be awesome. Um, You don't have to live anywhere near the ocean to be a sustainable seafood advocate. Take it from me. I live in Western Kentucky, and I'm actually looking out the window today. You'll be happy to know it's wintertime here. The forest is devoid of leaves. Now I can see the birds. And a pileated woodpecker just flew into the yard. And uh, so I know winter has finally arrived because that's when that bird actually comes back or that I can actually see it. Thank you so much for listening to Greenfish Blue Oceans. Next up, U is for Unagi and Urchin. That should be a really interesting conversation. Those are two species that we don't always see in the restaurants and uh, in the grocery store. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you have a few minutes, would you mind to leave a review on iTunes? That would be really awesome. Uh, I'd like to see this podcast move forward and reach a broader audience to help a lot more people if possible. So thanks so much for that. If you have a question or you want to sponsor this podcast, that would be great too. You can email me at maureenseaberry at gmail.com or find me tweeting at maureenseaberry. I'm Maureen Berry. This is Greenfish Blue Oceans.